0: just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality.
1: Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson, great to have you here. Uh, Lucas Miles is my guest, and Lucas um, has... He, he's got his hands in everything he's writing a screenplay right now so he's he's taking time out of writing a screenplay uh to talk to us about a book that he has written that talks about an issue that you heard a lot about uh and i'm gonna kind of get into the nitty-gritty uh with him on this because I, you know sometimes we latch on to things and uh we get boogeymen out there and we don't actually know what we're talking about and i don't want that to be the case the book is called woke jesus and well look at that i got some fun stuff going on uh-huh. there it is woke jesus um am having some issues technical issues today but we'll, we'll be just fine so you guys jump in on the conversation if you're watching this live so the, the, I, the subtitle here is the, the False Messiah Destroying Christianity and I'm going to argue with him about that. So this will be a fun conversation. Uh, and, and I can do this because I've known Lucas for a few years uh, and he's, he's a great guy doing a lot of great work uh, and I'm glad to have him. Lucas, thanks for taking time out of your busy writing schedule to join us here on Life Today Live.
0: Hey, I'm, it's always always good to talk with you, Randy, and just uh, great being back in the program.
1: So here's here's sort of my starting point because we hear the term woke, and both yeah. conservatives and a lot of Christians uh, are like, oh, that's bad." What does it even mean? What does woke mean to Lucas Miles?
0: Yeah, I mean woke woke essentially is a uh, it's a moniker today for you know some form of cultural Marxism. Um, whether that be focused on on race, whether that be focused on sexuality, it is an ideology that people have embraced, whether knowingly or unknowingly, where they have this Marxist substructure where they see the world through oppressor and oppressed and and it looks for ways to basically um, uh, uh, you know control power or regain power in their mind, Um, in these areas where they perceive for there to be, you know, massive amounts of injustice. And so, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's a very damaging, destructive belief because it holds to the position that we have to essentially tear down everything or dismantle or demolish the existing structures because they are unjust in how they hold power. And that we have to essentially reinvent this new power structure based upon these Marxist ideals. Um, and, and we see this in family, we see this in government, we see this in medicine, we see this in media. Uh, it is, it is literally impacted almost every single area of our society today.
1: I like, I like the clarity there and and let's, let's dig down a little deeper. So woke is sort of this surface, you know, icing on this Marxist ideology cake. Uh, before we get to the church, how how does it manifest itself? Because I think if people don't already know, it's a, it's a little clearer in the culture in a lot of ways. But yeah. just give us a few examples, whether it's entertainment or art or even politics, to, to so people can see. Okay, this is what uh, this leftist ideology looks like in action.
0: Yeah. So you know, we hear these sort of socialist Marxist um, uh, terms like um, you know uh, redistribute wealth. Uh, or or seize the means of is probably even a better example, production. and these are terminologies that I think that a lot of people have heard, but most people don't actually really understand or know what they mean. Uh, so if we look at something like seize the means of production, and uh, and and there's been others that have done a lot more work in the space than than even I have. I think that you know many of us are indebted to guys like James Lindsay or Michael O'Fallon who have done a lot of work, you know, bringing these things to the surface. But but this idea of seize the means of production really the the ultimate um capital in a society is not money it's not resources it's people and so from a marxist worldview this is why this oftentimes drills down into the education arena and it gets into our schools is because where can you seize the means of production the greatest? If you can actually start training up people and capturing their thoughts early on, you're 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 sort of you're you're controlling the future producers of a nation or of a society. And so there's this there's this goal to you know infiltrate that and really um, you know utilize various forms of propaganda to raise up children in certain ways. We've seen this in the grooming culture that you know around the, the trans issue. Uh, I think we've seen it in other issues as well. Um, you know, we talk about BLM, these different things. So wokeism is typically very evident when you talk about corporate America or, or some of these, you know, social justice activist groups where it gets cloudy is in the church because it's disguised through this lens of, well, Jesus would help the poor, Jesus would help the down and out. And I think that, you know, I, I would guess that by this time, a lot of people have found, you know, they've started drawing their lines in the sand over woke issues in the world. Um, but they, I, I don't always see that play over as clearly when it comes to Christianity.
1: It's interesting that, that a lot of corporations, Chick-fil-A, I heard a report that they had done this, but they have now, you know, an office of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which the acronym would be DEI, which is a Latin form of, the word God <laughs> I kind of go yeah. I go oh okay uh, that, is that an admission because a lot of this just feels like um, a, a secular religion you know yeah. you have your dogma you have the things you must believe and you must not tolerate I me mean, when I grew up there was there was some real fundamentalism still kind of there uh, and they had their dogmas and if you didn't agree to their dogma. You were evil. You're cut off. You're demonized. You are not tolerated. Uh, and there was a you know, rebound in, or, or a reaction in the church against some of that kind of stuff. But now yeah. it seems to be like it's it's outside the church, just as bad. But just it's like fundamentalism without God. Do you, is, is is that? Yeah. So
0: look, I would argue that that Marx was a theologian. Um, even more than he was a an economist, mm. I mean he, his, his uh, there's an ideology there that is very much a religious uh, framework, and it's a workbook based framework. And now, when we hear the word religion, we expect to find a deity on the other side of it. Um, there's been work that's been done to you know try to make the case that Marx was a Satanist, and 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 but but at minimum, we see Marx his deity is man. It is a man-worship, it's a it is a man-focused man religious um, uh, experience, religious framework that he has developed. And this is when, you know, when he looked at Hegel and he says, we have to flip Hegel on his head, the part of Hegel he was removing was the divine aspect, the spirit, the eternal, uh, this eternal being that Hegel talked about, the absolute. And and Marx replaced that with a focus on man. And so it, it is in many ways a religion. I actually think that if we were to, you know, it's going to take some sort of massive Supreme Court case for this ever to happen. But if there was ever a way to get Marxism classified as a religion, it would it would sure clear up a lot of this. Because at that point, the government couldn't give preference to one religion <laughs> over another. And right. wokeism would not have a place in the government. And And this is the position. You know, I think a lot of people on the left think that, that you know, somebody like myself is is looking to create a theocracy because we want to get rid of these things. I don't want a theocracy. I want a place where there's religious freedom. And this is the framework that we have in our United States Constitution. And so, um, and religious freedom means that the government is not promoting one religion over another, which is exactly what is happening right now by the promotion of wokeism through almost every department. And, you know, you mentioned Chick-fil-A and, you know, I, I don't have any inside scoop on this other than, you know, it, it looks like they've had this DEI officer. He's been with the company for a long time. He uh, as was put into this position, I think a year or two ago. So they've had somebody in that position for a little bit, which is a good sign that, you know, we haven't seen any massive changes with Mm Chick-fil-A, but it's also a bad sign that they have this position to start with because you used to just be able to have an HR person and that was all you needed, you know, and so, uh, and and it really should be all that you need. uh, But we're seeing this push toward uh, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. And again, the real problem on that is not necessarily Always the diversity or the inclusion side of it. It's the equity component, and equity is what what takes a company's focus off of goods and services that they're either manufacturing or 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 um, you know providing to the world, and it forces them to meet certain social stigmas and standards and scoring in order to you know raise whether it be an ESG score or a CEI score. Um, you know, for share prices and everything else that's happening there, and they begin making decisions that that are bad moves when it comes to their bottom line. And so which they should be beholden to their shareholders. uh, But they're willing to make those bad decisions because it helps these these, you know, sort of social scores that we have that are that are uh, um, developing. And so, you know, it's it's bad all around it. it, it, There is always almost a diminishing in the product, the quality. Uh, when you start seeing DEI become at the center of an organization,
1: yeah, and I don't, I don't want to start and hear rumors. I, I actually, you know, what? Now that you mentioned it, I saw that that office had been there. And frankly, you can have an office called that. My question is, what are they doing? And if they're doing all the yeah, things that look, you're talking and, and about, and it's a problem.
0: It's yet it's, to be seen, you know. So yeah, it's this is. Uh, I saw this. I tweeted about it. I think there's room for question yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, and Chick-fil-A, unfortunately, is not very great about, like, their social. So I don't think they've tweeted since last year. <laughs> and, and, and so, like, I don't even know if they're aware that, like, there was this giant conversation yes. all over Twitter even about that. <laughs> so it, 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 maybe a year from now, we'll get a tweet from them saying, uh, uh, you know, giving us some more information. Yeah, I don't
1: know. they're too focused on making good chicken and having great customer service and you know what good for them well, just, just leave them alone let them do what they're good at um so i have a question on critical race theory because this is another thing that you talk about yeah. and another one of those things that people hear and automatically kind of react to and don't actually know all that it means and it doesn't always mean the same thing to everybody what particularly in critical race theory do you think is destructive
0: So so a couple of things. So to begin with, critical race theory is built upon a Marxist framework uh, in the you know, some of the um, the early um, really founders of the movement. We have Derrick Bell, we have Kimberly Crenshaw, uh, Richard Delgado, Um, you know, Delgado talks about and and this is in James Lindsay's book um, uh, Race Marxism. And, you know, he gives he gives, you know, kind of the uh, he's got the receipts for this. Well, Delgado.
1: we're still here uh, he's frozen for a second and we'll see if he comes back And one thing I will say uh, on the critical race theory there there are, it's interesting that the very one of the first tenets of critical race theory is that race is a social construction are you there?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. No, you know me? I
1: lost you. You were talking about Delgado and pointing out one of the things that...
0: Yeah, so so you know, Delgado is a he's a confessed Marxist. Hmm. All
1: right. I don't know if it's you up at the lake. <laughs> you can see he's he's frozen right there. Oh, now he's gone. Okay. My point was that on on critical race theory, it says that race uh, is not scientific. We know it's not scriptural. Uh and, but it's a social construct, and it's used to oppress people. I actually agree with that part of critical race theory because I I think race in and of itself is false. Uh, we were created from one man. God created us all, the Bible tells us, uh, to populate the whole earth. And when we get into race, that really goes back to Darwinism and the idea that uh, we are descended from a common ancestor but de- uh, descend- uh, evolved rather along different lines and lower level races are only suited for menial work and they're only able to comprehend certain things. And at the bottom of that was Aborigines and Africans. I completely reject that. I completely reject evolution. Uh, I know that we have changed. We adapt. Yes. I see that. I think it's actually where skin color comes from. The closer to the equator you are, there's a great secular scientific study on where basically our pigmentation comes from and, uh, That woman says, I wish I could cite it off the top of my head, I wasn't planning on doing that today. But uh, she says it has to do with how close to the equator that you are, which is sun, which is uh, UV rays, which the body will naturally adapt and uh, become darker. Anyway, my bet on that, um, the rest of the critical race theory is where I have a real problem, which is the application of it. Lucas is back, so I'll let you finish your thought.
0: Yeah, so, you know, first off, we have critical race theory. The foundations of it is is developed by Marxist thinkers. They're confessed Marxist thinkers. And so this this lays the framework. It, it, it is a deviation from, and oftentimes they were critical of the civil rights movement. Civil rights movement teaches things like colorblindness. It teaches things like the content of character is greater than skin color. Uh, these ideas do not carry over into critical race theory. Um, critical race theory is not just a, uh, a legal theory. This is what we hear a lot of times. It's, it's more than that. The, the, the founders themselves stated that it was a theory about activists and, and regaining control. Uh, it's a movement about power. Um, and, and here's the thing, if you call something racist long enough um, you will eventually get to the point if you continue to call it racist long enough where you will bring about, you know, power on your side. So this is about a control, you know, they mm-hmm. they perceive that certain groups have power. If we accuse that group of something long enough, then eventually people will give power over to us and we'll be able to hold that. Uh, the other thing about critical race theory, and this goes with really any critical theory, critical queer theory, critical race theory, any of these is that it robs the believer of the ability to suffer for Christ if my suffering and my persecution is always because of my skin color, because of my you know, socioeconomic status, because of my country of origin, because of my gender, my sexuality, when when can I ever suffer for Jesus as a Christian? And so you can't. And so we're robbing from God, the one thing that we can give him on this side of glory which is suffering in the face of persecution. I can't offer him that in eternity. There is no suffering in eternity. I only have that to give him now. And and things like critical race theory rob God of the opportunity to do that when Christians embrace this theory because it becomes all about them and their kind of victimhood.
1: Yeah. Well, you can always suffer for truth, my friend. <laughs> I think you know, you have to to a degree. And and you know, yeah. it's it's gotten bad for a lot of people, like worse than I ever thought it would be, especially when you get up into Canada. Uh and yeah. in some other countries it's kind of crazy All right. this is the book woke jesus by lucas miles is available right now wherever you get books uh is that intentionally uh kind of a che Guevara riff on the cover
0: <laughs> you know it's got a little bit of that throw i'm going to say if people make that connection it's it's uh it's maybe okay all, you right. Know? all it, right
1: that's fair all right so here's here's the question and you've alluded to a little bit and i was kind of saving it for the end a little bit but um what, how does, how is this expressing itself in the church in the way that you say the false Messiah destroying Christianity? And I would contain you can't destroy Christianity.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so look, it, it's destroying. I think our understanding of Christianity in, yeah. in America, we are seeing a distortion of this, um, you know, it's you, you, the church is something that cannot be destroyed, mm-hmm. but I think that we have seen Christianity, um, uh, falter. In nations before, you know, places like Germany and Italy used to be the centers of Christian thought. And what we go when you go there now, you find a lot of beautiful churches, but those are just monuments as reminders that this is a place the church used to dwell, <laughs> you know, and be quite alive. Yeah. And now we have these these sort of uh, uh, these tombs that are left over there, and they're beautiful, but they're reminders of the church faltering actually in a nation. And so, you know, the reality is God wins in the end, but it doesn't mean the church in America always thrives. Um, I wrote this book, Woke Jesus, because I really want to help the church understand wokeism. I, I've referred to this as the definitive guide on understanding wokeism in the church. There's a lot of other great resources out there for understanding wokeism in general, uh, but this is for specifically understanding how it how it came and prepped into Christianity and distorts it. And and I think that for Christians, this is this is one of the most imperative issues for us to understand, and if we don't understand this issue, we're gonna have a really hard time being able to answer our friends, you know, reply to people that have questions about the faith, because so much in our world today is filtered through this woke framework that um that that we're really doing our our faith a disservice if we don't prepare ourselves for this understanding of how to communicate, you know, truth uh in in and really how it lines up in a woke world.
1: So you say, and I completely echo, do not go to a work woke church don't yeah. be a part of it what are some of the maybe obvious signs uh that this is a woke church um there's one in dallas that's, well, there's probably more than one one particular one that i i know of it's got a big rainbow flag hanging outside from yeah. this month
0: yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. So look, you know, th- we have the obvious sides, right? You drive through about any major downtown in our country today and you will, especially during the month of June, and you will see rainbow flags oftentimes flying above the cross. Sometimes you'll see crosses colored with rainbow flags. Uh, you might see a um, uh, a Marxist BLM flag, you know, flying above the, the church or out front. Um, you know, typically if you see a sign, although this sounds a little bit counterintuitive, if you see a sign that says, everyone welcome sometimes in our world (laughs) all are welcome of course at church look i pastor a church anybody is welcome to come in my church what i'm not meaning by that is that you are um that you're that we will never push against or counter your you know previously held ideologies when you step foot in no
1: Luke, you got to celebrate my sin (laughs)
0: <laughs> this this is what we're seeing. And so those are the more obvious things. And I think a lot of people, they're recognizing that, of course, gay clergy, you know, uh, these things. I think that the, the, the other signs, you know, th- those churches, there's a bigger chasm. They're easier to spot. Most people that are trying to be, you know, biblically minded Christian are not getting sucked into those. The ones that are troublemakers are the ones that aren't as obvious. Right. And this is where you have woke staff, or you have left-leaning staff that are not open about it. And so, and we have a big church in our area that that I think is, uh, uh, you know, probably finds himself in this position quite a bit. And and so, I want to know what did the church do when Roe was overturned? Did they talk about it? Hmm. Did they clap? Was there any sort of response? Did they even mention it? Um, you know, what's uh, uh, what's going on right now with this whole conversation about transgenderism? Um, And again, I don't want to be in a church that's Westboro Baptist, that's, you know, flinging lightning bolts at everybody, you know, these things. I want a church, though, that understands grace and truth. And that's always what I'm looking for. Is there grace and truth? I want to see the love of God proclaimed and preached. I want to hear the gospel. I also want to hear truth, that there's a standard, that holiness matters, that that it's not just my truth and your truth, that there is the truth that we look to. And so, you know, I'm looking for some of these things as sort of monikers. Also, who are they reading? Who are they quoting? Um, you know, are, are they, uh, uh, you know, pushing, you know, people like, um, you know, Tisby or, you know, books like White Fragility and these things You know, this is this is a sign. Are they making people, you know, uh, uh, repent for their skin color? Yeah. Um, that's an issue, you know, and, and, you know, you are made in the image of God, regardless of your skin color, and you don't have to repent for how you were created. And so, uh, the, these are really foolish things that churches have started adopting. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, we have to become wise about these things. I name a lot of names in the book. I don't tend to do that on interviews as much. Uh, but if people want to know the specific names of churches on a national level, uh, that, that there's a lot of instances in that in the book woke Jesus.
1: Well, and you know, I tend to avoid naming names too. You you did mention Jamar Tisby, and I'm pretty sure that I interviewed him. Um, and I'm I'm fine talking to people that I don't agree with 100, percent right? Yeah. Uh, and you know, we need grace gets us into people's world, uh, people who are wrong, the sinners' world. You know, often yeah, in uh, truth, but gets them out, and so you know there is this sort of transactional thing how do we how do we you know have conversations with people that we we don't you know agree with in fact that we think are pushing something yeah woke or very negative um in a way that's going start
0: with i think you have to start with trying to figure out what are the uh what are the rules of uh of um you know, uh, that, that, that this conversation is going to be, um, governed by Mm -hmm. and, and specifically, you know, as a, as a, uh, Christian, when I approach a conversation for me, ultimately at the end of the day, the question is going to be, does this line up with the truth of scripture? And I want to know when I'm talking to somebody, especially if they call themselves a Christian of tell me, what is your final guide? Because if we're talking about this in your final guide and, and final, you know, kind of benchmark for truth and my final benchmark for truth are two different things. If it, it you know, so, so for instance, I, I write in the book a lot about black liberation theology, black liberation theology was a form of of uh, uh, sort of the sort of a uh, black Christian experience mixed with a Marxist framework. Um, in this liberation framework and it was started in the 1950s and the founder James Cohn, this was a guy who experienced tremendous racism. I never want to, um, you know, uh, 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 ignore that. Um, but I think that where he went with that or what what how that caused him to respond after the fact was was where he got off track. Yeah. And And so in this in this framework of black liberation theology, he denies, uh, scripture as being what we would call as as you know uh, in the theology world a norming norm that that sc- he he would say that scripture is not the thing that we are basing truth on he would say that black experiences and black suffering and, and you know um in black history that these are the things that we are basing truth upon and so you know we can't have a fruitful conversation about something if we are looking at two different things for the the measuring line of whether or not it's true or not. Yeah. I might be able to learn. I might be able to influence somebody slowly over time with that conversation, but we're not going to come to quick agreement if both sides are dogmatic about the difference of that. And so I don't spend a lot of time debating with people. Uh, if they want to know what I think, I'll present what I think. If they're going to try to counter it, if they're not using scripture as as a benchmark, you know, if we can, we can hash out passages, we can exegete passages and maybe have different interpretations we can do that all day long. And I think have some benefit there, but, but if there's a, you know, if there's agreement about the word, but if there's not agreement about the word, it becomes very cloudy real fast. And I really don't think the conversation tends to become very fruitful.
1: All right. You'll have to pick up the book and, uh, and get into the intricacies, uh, so that you can guard yourself, guard your family, guard your mind. Uh, last word from, from you, Lucas, um, because this is, it, it it's a big one. Uh, you know, we're, we're up against something that is, that is strong and that is moving. Yeah. That is, seems to be making progress, but we've got something that's, that's stronger, that's never going to be shaken. So there's that confidence, yep. uh, where, do, where do you kind of land at the end of the day?
0: You know, look, I, I think that the, the important thing here. Is, is probably twofold that we we learn to discern um, errors we learn to discern uh, the danger of these heresies the danger of of these false beliefs we see the effect that they're having on the church um and that we also press more into our faith, our relationship with the Lord so that we are unshakable you know I talk in the book about um, the the armor of God. And when we think about the armor of God, I think that a lot of us as believers have been in the church for a while. We we tend to regulate that passage as like a kid's story. You know, you go to Sunday school and you put on you build this little stuff out of cardboard, and that you know they come out of the class and they've written the verses on it. And the reality is that was written for the church because it's beneficial. And when you look at these things, the armor refutes wokeism. Yeah, it's got it's got the helmet of salvation. Um, Right away, we see that some people are saved and some people aren't, and that we need to cherish our salvation that we have in Christ. It also shows us with our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace that evangelism matters. A lot of woke churches are moving into universalism, that everybody's saved. It doesn't matter what framework you come from. And the armor of God reminds us that evangelism matters, that, that there is a lost and dying world out there that we need to take this gospel of peace to. We have the belt of truth. This reminds us that there is uh, that there is one truth. There is the truth, His truth, and and not just my truth or your truth. It is the belt, uh, and so you know we see this breastplate of righteousness. We could go on that that each of these provide some sort of clarifying um, attribute to the gospel. And, and, and against some of these distorted versions that we find out there in the world. So very important that we establish ourselves in the armor of God. We put that on our lives so that we can truly stand when that day of evil comes.
1: You no, I, I don't know how good the King James was in, in the original translation, because there's, there's, there's some I have problems with some King James but it, the original said gird your loins with truth and I look at that and <laughs> go dear Lord we we can't even say that that's a man or a woman I mean how far off are we right
0: exactly exactly uh, yeah I mean wh- this is a day and age where girding your loins is probably a good thing <laughs> right. we, we need to be doing a better job with that I think as oh, a society
1: wh- whatever the best translation yeah. Lucas's point stands, uh, and this is a spiritual war, and this is a spiritual battle, and it is for the big boys and girls, and the, and the mature uh, spiritually. Uh, and so, you know, let's let's be that, and, and let's be light. Let's not just curse the darkness, and so I appreciate that. Thank you, Lucas. Uh, is there anything you want to add? I want to show people your website. This is lucasmiles.org. Yeah, yeah, so—
0: Book can be ordered wherever books are sold. Uh, we're, we're number one new release right now on Amazon, which nice. very excited about that. Nice. It, it hit the bestseller list uh, a couple times in first and second place. So um, it's being very well received so far. The book uh, is out this week um, and it's excited to get that in people's hands. Of course, if you want to order at lucasmiles.org, you can do that as well, as well as all my other titles that I have.
1: Always a good idea. Lucas is uh, an interesting guy, smart guy, uh, eloquent, and I appreciate I, I really actually enjoyed getting to know you, man. So, thank you.
0: Likewise. Likewise. No, appreciate having me back on.
1: uh, Anytime, by the way. Appreciate you guys out there watching. Hit share. By the way, a quick note. If you are getting some jitter, I was watching some of the feed, and I had a little bit with Lucas because he's up by a lake. But if you're getting any jitter on on any of these feeds, these are always uploaded clean, uh, which is the best version of it, uh, on Rumble. And on lightsource.com. So if you're ever like, man, I missed something in there. I don't know what's going on on, on one of these other outlets. Uh, you can always go to Rumble or uh, Lightsource and you'll have the, the best. Because I wouldn't have any problems with Lucas other than drop that at one point. That's it. Hit like, share, hit follow. Uh, and be awake, just not woke. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.
0: But enjoy it. Squeeze all the fun you can out of it. Hour, hour. Because
1: it's soon going to end. And truth will be on the soul for a change. Sunday is coming.